Today's episode of RPG Pop Club is brought to you by the generous support of our producer, Just a Guy. Thank you for your support. Dear listeners, if you too are enjoying RPG Pop Club, please consider supporting us on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash rpgpopclub. And now, on with the show. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. RPG Pop Club RPG Pop Club RPG Pop Club RPG Pop Club Yeah! Hi, I'm Philip Sokoloff And I'm Sarah Nicole Carter And this is RPG Pop Club Each week we play a Star Trek tabletop RPG adventure And then we review it. Today we are playing Lost and Presumed Dead. We're joined by our lovely producer and fellow player, Eric Carter, who plays Valentin Laurent. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. It's fun to be on this side of the microphone and not just uh, producing and engineering the episode. Yay! We let him out of his booth from time to time. (laughs) Where am I? Ah, the light! (laughs) Oh my gosh. Ridiculous. Um, We watched uh, Operation Annihilate for this module. Wait, did we? We did, didn't we? This is the one with the little egg creatures? Yeah, the little uh, flying like uh, fried eggs. Flying scrambled eggs, yeah. Or fried eggs. Fried eggs. Omelets. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a spoiler because that's what the whole uh, module is about. Spoiler warning. Jeez, we're starting off great. But I don't know how you would like watch the episode, how you would play this game without kind of having this episode fresh in your mind. So I hope you guys all remember this wonderful episode. What do you remember about the episode, Eric? About the, the Star Trek episode or yeah. the game we played? No, the Star Trek episode. We're going to recap the game. You have to talk about the Star Trek episode. Okay, I, I remember the uh, flying egg creatures. I yeah. remember that it looked like it was recorded at a junior college. Yeah, I believe it was. <laughs> was? You remember? It actually was? <laughs> yeah. Like a Southern California community college or city college. Okay, now I got um, I got to Google it. Campus. I got to know. Do you remember all the superpowers that Spock just like busts out? He's like, oh, by the way, I have an extra eyelid, so I'm good. Oh, yes. That is wonderful part. I forgot. I forgot about my superpower. <laughs> oh, BT dubs. <laughs> oh, great. That never comes back. All Vulcans had this. You should have known. Yeah. <laughs> Some doctor, that McCoy. It's like there's only like four main races in the Federation, right? At least... At least he's got to know something about some of these races other than humans, because he's always just like, oh, man, your heart's in the wrong place. Your numbers are off the wrong place. Like, how do you not? I'm just, just a not country doctor. Trading. How did you get on the ship? What a good point, though. He would at least like, he would at least know the. Oh, my gosh. OK, I have to cover my face. Like, and Spock, too, is like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Vulcans have this, by the way. <laughs> I guess he's, he's like half Vulcan, and I don't know, but he grew up in their culture. He grew up there. Wouldn't he be more weirded out by human stuff? 
Because yeah. the human he was around was a lady, too. Even more weirded out by that. Okay, I'm trying to find out where... Where it was I filmed? Really, yeah, I really need to know. All right, you get ah. back to us on that. Oh, you found it? Uh, yeah, I was looking on IMDb. <sighs> Uh, Northrop Grumman Space Park, one space park, Redondo Beach, California. Huh. Huh. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that. Don't worry, Eric. Not a community college. That's not a community college, but it is a campus of sorts, right? Okay. So they're trying to make something that looks futuristic. That's yeah. neat, though. We can go film there. That's great. Wow. Oh, there's also, like, Kirk has a brother. That's like, that's him, that's dead. And then like a nephew. Looks like all the other ginger kids in the show. <laughs> like his sister-in-law, she's like, ah, James. Of course. Okay, this campus looks pretty cool now that I'm looking at it from this era. This era. Look how 1960s it looks. Oh, okay. Well, I want to talk about the module. Okay. We can this talk is... about <laughs> Lost and Presumed Dead came in the Star Trek 3 sourcebook update. So Star Trek 3 had just come out, so they did just a book about, here's all the stuff that you find in the, in the, in the, um, uh, in the movie, like stuff for Klingons, because they're Klingons in the movie, and just whatever. So that's kind of cool. And then they, they included an adventure in this, which is very obliging of them. So this would have been um, 1984. That was my next question. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's kick it off. Let's hear our commander's log. Commander's log, stardate 7342.0. Lieutenant Commander Tapu reporting. Saladin on routine patrol along the edge of the area known as the Styx Rift. We are 20 days out of Cib oh shit, Cerberus? Cerberus? How do you say that? Cerberus. Cerberus? We are 20 days out of Cerberus. And proceeding at warp four. All systems functioning normally. <laughs> there you go. Go team. You're one of those like uh, Star Trek commanders that involves everybody. Yeah. Activities. Also, you know, when we're this is one of those situations where you've read that word a million times and yeah. you have to say it out loud without thinking about it first, and all of a sudden I got stage fright. Mm -hmm. Anyway. It's like reading a sci-fi novel. Yeah, just I don't know. It's just, such a it, it's a Greek mythology word, obviously, right? Uh -huh. And then um it, but it's the sort of thing where so you only read it in sci-fi for for whatever reason it keeps coming back over sci-fi because they like mythology things and in like um baroque operas yeah but then you also usually, like greek mythology or you're singing in a different language or you know you're singing in italian right yeah so how helpful is that well anyway so they're in the sticks rift it's uh, an area unusually devoid of stars or systems it's on the border of federation space nearest the star system Cerberus. Conditions in the rift itself hamper communication. Captain, we're receiving a f very faint distress signal. Uh, looks like I was able to triangulate the source after all. 
I've translated it's, that heading over to the navigator and helm station. We're looking at about 130 light years distant inside the Styx Rift. Let me uh, see if I can run some four, four dice. Post-diagnostic analysis on the signal to see if I can pull any kind of message out of it. It's just barely, barely coming through. Uh, Put it on. Uh, messages coming through here. Captain, this is the Federation Starship USS Republic. We've lost all navigational function and are unable to return to known space. Please send help immediately. Hmm. What do we know about the Republic, Captain? Tapru had previously served on the Republic. Uh, it was in my backstory. I'm Vulcan and long-lived, so that could have been some time back. I just want to remark, he says, like, the message is barely coming through. They do that in the episode, too. Uhura is always like, I'm getting a message, sir, but it's faint. And it's just like, Kirk's always like, well, put it on. What do you want him to say? Like, oh, well, if it's faint, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, forget <laughs> right? it. Oh, nah. It's uh, cool. Like, why you just, just give me the message. <laughs> I do that so often. Well, anyway, Tris, Tris accessed the, the library computer and learned that Republic was assigned to mapping duty in the Rift area and had failed to return. It was officially listed as lost on star date 1707. Ava, how long ago was that? That's years. It's been missing for years. It's about 15 years ago. Holy shit! It, at warp six, our maximum safe warp, it'll take us 10 days. Let's do it. I've got to roll a die uh, 130 times, you guys, just to see if there's any random encounters. <laughs> oh, <hang on. laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right, you guys have all kinds of bizarro encounters, and um, you uh, you have to sacrifice Eric, unfortunately. Otherwise, oh. you make it through okay. I think we've only <laughs> named three shuttles, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I have their names. There's the Grey uh, Mag, the Feeling nice. Lucky, the and the Porn Star. <laughs> wow. Can you guys tell who named what? I was going to say John named it the Porn Star. Uh, Dave named it Gray Mag, and Ava named it Feeling Lucky. Yep. Ding, 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 you wow. win. You win. Did you name your shuttle, Eric? I got to name it the Triceratops. Oh my god, I'm so happy. Like Alright, so are we here? Is it a planet? What, is, what do we kind of find? Notice a sensor blip of a Constitution class heavy cruiser. And I wanted to scan to see if there were any emissions coming from it. So, before we go, I just want to be clear. My character was not actually <laughs> sacrificed. That was a joke in passing. I love that you named your shuttle the Triceratops. It was, a, it was a, an in-joke. It was a reference to the fact that you got almost sacrificed in the previous episode. Oh, that's very true. Ah, very good. Um, Which was a random encounter. And I think I need our dear listeners to know that we love Jurassic Park and we love paleontology. Um, Eric and I, mm -hmm. and that this week we had the pleasure of doing a virtual trivia night. Well, yeah, it was like afternoon, but virtual trivia afternoon because it was East Coast time. And we came in, our team came in second place out of like 50 teams. So everybody Which, at home, enjoy. What um, does it cover all aspects of the franchise, the old movies, the new movies? What an excellent question because Eric and I prepared as though. It were to cover everything, including the TV series, etc. Right? We watched nice. the digital, or we watched the short movie that is the prequel to the upcoming movie. Yeah. We we were ready. We 
were like gladiators ready. Uh, but it really only covered one and two. It didn't even cover two. It was just the first It was movie. mainly the first movie, but it was fine. We That was probably our biggest level of expertise. Eric pulled some it, things out, out of his tush that I, I just was shocked. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Alamosaurus. Oh, yeah. Alamosaurus. That was the best one. That was a team effort, but that was amazing. Just well, in case, if you're ever, in, oh wait, just in case our dear listeners are ever in trivia, that's the kind of dinosaur uh, skeleton that's next to the T-Rex in the main room. The visitor center. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I was very into dinosaurs as a kid. It was like dinosaurs in space in my like oh. second grade, which is like just things that blew my mind. Um, and, you know, when we were kids, they had the Brontosaurus, the Thunder Lizard. And then when we when we reached adulthood, they were like, no, 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 there's no such thing. They they like they combined it with something else. But now it's back, baby. Did you know it's, that? You're asking the second place Jurassic Park trivia winners if we knew that. I believe it was 2016 <laughs> that the Brontosaurus was given its status back as a true dinosaur because there were enough differences between the skull of the Brachiosaurus and Brontosaurus to prove Brontosaurus. That, Brontosaurus. Brachiosaurus. I thought it was a Brachiosaurus. Oh, Apatosaurus, I believe, was the other one. Oh, was? Yes. Okay, excuse me, everybody. I apologize, dear listeners, for that momentary blip. But you noticed this Capricorn next to me jumped right in to tell me, actually, that's how he was during trivia, guys. <laughs> I have the tiger over here. Regardless, yes, we mm. can have the brontosaurus back. Yay. But the shuttle is Triceratops. Okay, yes, the shuttle is Triceratops. Back to her, and nobody came here for Jurassic Park trivia. However, if friends... Dear listeners, you're interested. I did find out there was a Jurassic Park RPG, and I am interested in running that. So if you too are interested in running that, please let us know via email or slide into our DMs on Instagram. All right. Well, I will make one more note. Oh, one more. We swear we're coming back to the So you can tell by the quality of the names of our shuttlecraft that we probably need some help. (laughs) And one of the Patreon perks is the ability to name a shuttlecraft, I believe. Yeah, I believe that is one of the perks. Yeah, that's one of the So perks. please, help us out. Otherwise, you're going to get more porn stars and triceratops. Yeah, and then otherwise, we're going to let John name all the shuttles. Gosh. Like a, a, a deep cut inside joke, like Grey Mag. <laughs> oh, Points yeah. to all, all the listeners who catch that one. Man, yes. That's exciting, actually. <laughs> I hope someone I hope someone comes into our DMs and tells us they know what that means. Okay. Yeah. Back to our recap. McDonald was scanning, and he revealed that the ship was operating at full power. Jensen scanned for life signs and detected approximately 400 humanoids aboard. Captain, I'm I'm unable to detect any kind of other communications, but I do think it's unusual that uh, they have picked up our scans and have not reached out to us. Something must be wrong over there. Is is it just sitting there? Is it in motion? McDonald performed a triangulation and was able to determine that the Republic was moving at warp factor two toward a nearby star. Uh, this is the USS Saladin responding to your distress signal. What is your status? Greetings, Saladin. This is Captain Richard Masterson. Our ship's astrogation memory banks have been wiped clean. Without stellar navigation data, uh, we found it impossible to navigate with any success and the relatively starless rift. I feel like this is a terrible trap and 
everything's bad. They want our star charts so they can make their way back to Earth and take it over. Hey, how long have you guys been stuck in this, and how did how did you lose the astroturf charts? I, I'd be really uh, happy to explain, Captain. Why don't you beam on over? I'd be happy to um, to speak with you in person. Everybody going? Thumbs up? Yeah. Perfect. All right. Fuck it. I can stay on the ship. Do you have a red shirt, Dave? Mine is a Norwegian by the name of Ken M10. Ooh. Okay, this is the first appearance. Yeah, Pen this Fenton? is when we created Penfemton, for sure. But he was a Norwegian. A Norwegian He's... score. We need to explain what a score is. I need more backstory about this character in general, guys. Was... This, this this character is just going to go places. So get ready. Take note of this. Uh, in our last episode, we were not sure whether McDonald was going to stay aboard the Cody as its commander or whether he was going to come and join the Saladin crew. So he rolled up another character. And, you know, he's never had a red shirt before. We mentioned this in our interview with Scotty. And, um, and so he, he made one for this, for this adventure. So McDonald was going to stay on the ship, um, the Saladin, and everyone else is going to beam over, which, by the way, in the adventure, it's like, hey, why don't you beam on over? And all you guys are like, hell no. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's our adventure for the night, guys. <laughs> and I think you guys decided you wanted to have an adventure, so you beamed on over. Like, we know your tricks. Just come tow the ship home, and we're good. Done. So he, he made a, a Norwegian character. Do we want to talk about why he wanted to make it a Norwegian character? Yeah, please. Give it, okay. give it to us. Femington is Norwegian for the number 15. So his first name is Pen, and then it's P-E-N-1-5. That's his name. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, okay, but then we but then we were looking into like, you know what, can he be a, an interesting race or whatever? We pulled out from the animated series, the idea of a score, and a score, if all you have to do is Google it, S-K-O-R-R, it's a freaking, it's a yellow big bird, right? Yeah. And exactly that's all you that. need to know. That's all you need to know. And you can so, just take it from there like a, with the role play. Yeah. It's like a badass big bird. Pen Fenton is It has like the slit eyes like a like a superhero like right. comic character, right? And he's Pen, he has actually drawn a f picture of this character that as soon as he scans and sends to me, I will put up on the website. He hasn't given it to me yet or else I'd already have a t-shirt of this character. I love him so much. Okay. It will be an endless source of amusement. Mm-hmm. So the crew decided to shuttle over rather than beam over for old time's sake. Because you want to explode it? We all hop in the porn star. No. Yeah. <laughs> we all insert ourselves into the porn star. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's especially appropriate for the score. Are his knees like in his chin in the shuttle? Like he's like all huddled up, really tiny. <laughs> yeah. We go to the ship. You're greeted in the shuttle bay by by Captain Masterson, um, Science Officer Juliet Rodriguez, uh, Security Officer Samuel Rodriguez, and Chief Engineer Bar. Bar is a Tellerite. 
Okay. They appear to be like 15 years aged compared to the photos we have from Starfleet. The picture of Masterson is, seems to be the same age than it was before. Masterson uh, catches a glimpse of uh, Ensign Pemfemton and says, oh, how interesting, a score. How are you, sir? Doing just fine. God damn it! Can I roll to see if I speak score? That was amazing. I just said I'm. Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, I'm a little bit hungry. Uh, your uh, Telluride looks looks very tasty. Uh, our synthesizers are uh, well. They're they're somewhat out of date. And uh, we haven't been able to repair them to, to create score food. We don't have any score on our vessel. So uh, uh, if you're hungry, uh, I think you just better go back to your own ship. You guys, I forgot that was going to happen. And it broke me. I was over here crying. Tears are coming out of my face. Oh, my gosh. I love you, Dave, if you're listening. I just love you. Okay. It's so amazing in this episode. <laughs> just perfect. busted out. Perfect. Like, Perfect. <laughs> So Dr. Triss reached out with her empathy and she could definitely tell that Masterson had something against scores. I think Pemfenton is a, he, he ate quite a bit before we left. So I, I think he'll be fine. Captain Masterson was summoned to the bridge. The crew questioned security officer Rodriguez as to how the Republic lost its astrogation data. They were told that science officer Zapezna had gone mad locked herself in the computer core area, wiped the information, and killed herself. That's wow. strange. Can I ask uh, what she was like? Like, uh, not to make it about race, but what was her race? she human? Score. Ah, ah, curious. Wow. Okay, score. We could be in a situation where she figured out something or she wasn't in, like an alien couldn't take her over, right? And so instead of letting these things get to space, she decided to erase the charts and kill herself, right? Yeah. That's what my guess is. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, so. sounds like it. Also, uh, Femten is a little bit anxious, uh, you know, learning that that the previous score member, you know, is, is no longer with the crew. Way to go, Sarah Nicole, just like <laughs> spoiling the whole thing in the first 15 minutes. I think we might as well leave that in there though, just to give the audience an idea of what's going on. But yeah, classic. I solved the mystery. <laughs> no, this it's fine. Elementary, dear Philip. Well, it kind of is. I have watched some Star Star Trek before previously. That's true. Yes. As a fan of Star Trek and Sherlock Holmes, I think you're all over all the answers. I like the mystery ones. They're fun. Uh, the crew is given a tour of the ship. To prove Triss and Jensen all have an uneasy feeling as if something is not quite right. Jensen noticed that there haven't been a lot of people in the hallways. Where um where is everyone? A bit of a chuckle when I was like, you guys, something seems to be off on the ship. And everyone's like, Pff. yeah. 
Well, you don't say. Past their role. <laughs> but it was that there was like the quarters are all empty. Well, the crew insisted on checking out the computer core. Jensen distracted Rodriguez as to Prue slightly raised McDonald on their communicators. We might have some aliens who took over all the people on the ship and maybe we don't want them getting back to Federation space. So I think we should take off if uh, we can't provide a code word and maybe bring back up or don't come back here. One of those. That's right. You know it. Uh, Jensen accesses the ship's computer while De Los Santos distracts Rodriguez. Let me, let me talk to you about some of the amazing new um, antenna that we have seen on the yes. newest ships coming out. The TC-37s are amazing. Let's see, you guys have been out, what, 15 years? You must be working on the, gosh, RG-48s. My goodness, look, we got so many more bands now in the encryption settings. You got to check out the controllers. They've dropped it down to 0.68 nanometers on these babies. Just incredible the amount of shielding we're seeing on these. We're talking 16 parsecs <laughs> worth of communication, subspace hailing that has four bands instead of two. Dude, you can, you can send 8K video in 468 streams. Everybody on board, able to 8K chat with each other. I mean, talk about not getting homesick. It's just incredible stuff here. <laughs> Let me show you some of the schematics on this. I could probably get this in your replicator here so you guys can make some of your own. I love Aaron's monologue so much. I think they're so impressive. <laughs> I was, I, we need a sting okay. for Aaron's monologues. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, we need something to like, oh my gosh, perfect. But like background music that we yep. can play every time. We, yeah. we can do like, um, what is that? That, that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're on it. Yeah, perfect. You're on it, dude. You have to do it like three more times, though. We'll just have Eric say it in the background. <laughs> Live every time. Uh, I edit this, so don't tell me. Do it. We dare you. Jensen. Good job, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron, we appreciate you. I appreciate your monologues more than I can say. Extra XP. Oh, rude. Unfair. Okay, fine. Jensen confirmed that the astrogation data had been wiped. Prue read the captain's log. Apparently, the Republic had come across a planet containing a crashed starship. The crash site looks like it may be several hundred years old. What's left of the design doesn't look like anything we've ever encountered. We'll see if we can find out anything else from down there. It's an alien it's thing. They ran into 16. the derelict and then they've all been infected. Yeah. Well, they were escorted to the sick bay where Triss accessed Zepesna's file to see what she could learn. She discovered something strange. According to her file, Zepesna was very poor at playing chess, yet she was a five-time Federation-wide chess champion. It's been tampered with. I'm kind of Is there the recreational tapes. I don't know why, maybe it's a red herring. Can we play chess? Oh, chess? Yes. Ava, you go to play chess, and yeah. a message comes up. <gasps> I'm the only one left. Squawk! The rest have all been taken over. If they catch me, I'm sure they will kill me. Beware the flying creatures, and keep this ship away from the rest of the galaxy. Destroy them if you must, but no. They're out there. They'll get me, too. All right. 
One of the flying parasites flies no! through the door no! towards you. Pineapple! <laughs> 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 it latches itself onto you, Triss. All right, it's on your back. It's like pulsing. I try to sense emotions. You try to sense emotions? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is anybody else doing anything? Since since to prove uh called out the, the code word pineapple, I lock on to everybody in the party and this thing is gonna come aboard. It's not working, Dave. Somebody... Dave, you notice that they have their shields up, Dave. Oh my gosh. That was a really fun combat. Uh, we had lots of karate chops and phaser shots and baguette attacks, parasites flying all around. A second one got in before they closed the door, and they were possessed crewmen that had to be fought as well. They tried to shoot the parasites with their phasers set to disintegrate, set to stun, set to heat. None of these settings seemed to have any effect on the creatures. I'm going to attempt to use the computer to, and use my command codes or whatever to get some UV light. Is there anybody here who has like uh, an, an applicable skill? I have tactics, uh, psychology, life support. Life support. Life support. Life support. <laughs> Tapru shared her plan with Triss, who determined that it is possible, in theory, it would have to be done from engineering. Really? But that's another thing in the episode, too. Like, Bones, can you make a cure? Like, well, it's theoretically possible. Kirk's <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll do it. Well, I don't see how. Just freaking do it. And it always works. Every episode, like, well, I guess it works. Uh, so most of what was happening in the combat was flying parasites, latching themselves onto people's backs, people trying to tear them off before they can eject whatever they were trying to eject. One of the parasites latches onto De Los Santos, but when the other one tries to latch itself onto the score... Sort of like it's half-heartedly latched onto you. It's sort of like, uh, all right, all right. Ensign Fenton yells ah! and jumps up and digs one of his foot talons into the um, creature and rips it off. All right, you have no trouble ripping it off because uh, it doesn't have a very good latch on you because of your feathers. You see, you see the thing on on De Los Santos's back doing the like. Pum 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 pum. Oh, Santos, you are in excruciating pain. You're writhing and screaming. Oh my God, you guys! And people are also like hitting you in the back. <laughs> um, doesn't seem to be getting the thing off. Awesome. And you feel you feel thousands of tiny tentacles stiffening and hooking into your oh, flesh, no. to your clothing. Can I try my neuronic whip on it? This whole organism is basically a, a big nervous system so like the whole the, the network of parasites so you're able to just basically like deactivate it with your neuronic whip you're just nice. like it, it it falls to the ground like it's just like plonk onto the ground sweet apes you did it it's my slave now <laughs> oh my god like touch everybody else with you <laughs> um. To prove if only you got anything cool from a from a stasis box. I'm gonna put my flying gloves on and I'm gonna fly down the hallway. Dale Santos, you just gotta um 
uh, writhe and shudder on the ground for for a turn, buddy. Um, Bayani Quinto de los Santos, and you will not keep me down. Dave, Emson, Pen, Femson. Well, the only setting I haven't tried yet is Disruptor, so I grab the thing off my back, hold it point blank again, and fire the Disruptor. Excellent. The creature stopped fluttering for a second. It didn't turn hard like the other one, but it appeared that the Disrupt setting was good for stunning it. Back aboard the Saladin, McDonald hailed the Republic, asking why they raised their shields. No response. I'll try firing a uh, narrow beam phaser uh, salvo directly at their uh, shield generator. And since I know that their shields have a recharge cycle, as I recall, it's like every, you know, for, for three seconds, every 10, 10 minutes, something like that. I'll uh, wait till the, the recharge cycle and fire directly at their, their shield generators. All right, direct hit on their, their shield systems. You're able to, uh, to deactivate their shields, at least for now. Nice. Okay. As soon as their shields are deactivated, then I um, hit the red button, beam my crew back. Amazing. Star trek thing to do. Right? Perfect. Great. Perfect response. And enough, like, technical words to make it sound even better, even if it wasn't good. I don't know. I bought it. He's so immersed in the universe that, like, yeah, it doesn't feel like just techno babble that he made up, but just, no. that, like, he knows was... the exact logic of the universe. Yes, like, of course... That's exactly what you should do in this exact perfect answer, right? Oh, yeah, gosh. and then he rolled really well, you know. It wasn't just like, didn't get away with it. He just nailed it. I think he was great. Okay. Everybody except for Tapru got beamed back to the Saladin. On their monitors, they could see the picture of the Republic and, like, the dots going around it with the shields coming back up. Tris told McDonald that she must beam back because she had the neuronic whip and the life support skills needed for the mission. Penn Fempton, who seemed to be immune to the parasite's attacks, joined her. They beamed back right in the nick of time before the shields came back up. You guys, you beam like, this is like new Star Trek where they like, they beams people into like, into action scenes, you know, and they're like, they're flying as they're beaming. Um, <laughs> they beam, they beam Triss onto Tapru's back as she's flying through the corridors. Yeah. Um, they beam Fenton into the corridor. He's also flying, just flapping his wings and <laughs> leaving feathers everywhere and probably pooping. <laughs> um, there's flying parasites like flying alongside you, like trying to latch onto you. You guys are like dodging out of the way, you know. Cracking my whip. You guys fly into the engineering system. There's the, the chief engineer, Bar, is there, along with four other technicians. And six flying parasites are now in the room with you as well. Well, can I look into some sort of uh, communications, like sonic thing affecting the parasite? If you could sing, I'll take you home again, Kathleen, that might, uh, <laughs> that might, might, might give a negative to the, uh, to the, again, Kathleen. That was great. I actually don't know that song, but, uh, yeah. I don't watch that with them. Home again, Kathleen. <laughs> All right. No ice cream for you tonight. No ice cream tonight. Um, <laughs> all right. Yes. To prove, you got to fend these bad guys off of Triss while she accesses the computers. You got um, Chief Engineer, 
there's four technicians, there's six parasites. Use some of your superpowers. Let's see what you got. All right, first I'm gonna blink my double eyelids. Yes. Okay. Number one. <laughs> then I'm gonna make it 125 degrees in here. This is my preferred temperature. <laughs> Perfect. Then I'm gonna first do a little bit of this behind a wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm gonna do a like a Vulcan neck pinch on anybody I can. Yeah. So, so to Prue used her mind control abilities. You have to do it through a wall, of course, and. Uh, and so she made two of the technicians attack the other two technicians as Tris got to work trying to modify the life support systems. I gotta say, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with my little speech there. Yeah. Some good, that was that, some good stuff. Good monologue. for you. And ah, I did it! I'm going flying at full bore at the chief engineer, the Telluride, and with all four talons, all four claws, and, uh, and beak. Okay. So Roll claw, up. Claw, 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 beak. Um, so you guys are kind of locked into combat. His pig hands attacking you, and and your beak trying to nibble at him, and and not really getting anywhere. But it's a it's a, a hilarious sight. Yeah, with my beak, I'm trying to get in the uh, the mask uh, holes for the eyes. And the source of amusement. Well, meanwhile, one of the parasites latched onto to prove. She fired her phaser at another parasite, which was headed for Triss, ignoring her own pain. I'm in control of my emotions. Perfect. I do that. Yeah, Triss, you're up. Do I, I, do I do my roll? Yes, do your roll. A four, I passed. You pass. All right. So, ex so explain to us what happens. I'm... So Prue sure. has explained to you that your job is to reprogram all the lights on the ship <laughs> so that they emit ultraviolet light in the correct spectrum. You guys I all remember watched, what I was doing. I'm sorry. You guys all watched the episode on your way here. It yeah. just happened. So, yeah. um, so you crank up this light of this particular frequency way up. So all these things just start going like... It's like there's this purple light... Um, all over the ship. You know, accompanied with the uh, with the wee 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 sound effects. And yes. <clears throat> yeah. 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 And 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 the music. <laughs> nice. That was amazing, you guys. It was so great. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> that's it. That's amazing. That was cool. There was there there basically they talked about um another option would have been to destroy the Republic. And I think Laurent, Jensen, and De Los Santos were back on the bridge of the salad and preparing that plan B. Would be to unleash the photon torpedoes and like tears streaming down their faces. They destroyed their friends and everybody. But luckily, they saved the ship. Good ship. And they saved all the people on it. So that's pretty much the best. 
possible outcome. That it's great. a little obvious. All around successful mission. Yeah. Yeah. And fun. Yes. Quite fun. It really reminds me of of, of like uh, Ghost of Conscience, some of the early ones. Kind of similar, you know, you're going onto another ship and fighting stuff on it. But but a nice uh, nice spin on it, and um, yeah, it's good fun. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice when you know what's happening because you don't spend as much time second guessing decisions. Yeah. You know, if you have a good idea of, of what the problem is, you can just go in and episodically tackle it. And then all that fun happened almost from us knowing this is our game plan, this is what we're going to do. And then we can just layer on the fun. Mm -hmm. it, it became like uh, we knew what was going to be happening, we knew there was a mystery. We knew we had a really good idea about what was behind all the all the action on the ship. So really, the game became us trying to dig up the proof of of that, which is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. It's um, not a groundbreaking episode, no real moral dilemma, but just some cool like Star Trekky flavor. There's a, a planet with a crashed alien ship in a rift with fused stars. A, a derelict ship, you don't really know what's going on. It's a little bit creepy. It's just kind of, it doesn't have the navigation data. It's trying to get back to the Federation. What the heck is going on? And one of the cool things, there was the, the library computers. And it sort of said in the module, it like gave a menu in the sick bay of all the all the different like options that you can pull up on the computer. Same in the, the computer core, which is cool because in the module, they're like, no, 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 we're not going to take you to the computer core. But then, of course, the players are like, fuck you, we're going to the computer core. <laughs> and uh, you can pull up the captain's log. You can pull up medical data on the various characters and um, kind of kind of fun in that aspect. I like that. I like, I that. like how unexpected things could happen, like beaming people back to the ship and being like, OK, you know, how do we complete the adventure? So. I'm going to put on my like DM hats looking at yeah. this module in hindsight. I really like there were like multiple elements uh, in this one module. You had a lot of role play where you're interacting with the crew. Um, yeah. you, you're, you're trying to like dig up okay, what actually happened. Um, there's some puzzle solving elements where you're supposed to find all the clues of the one score who played chess but you but then the record was like what it says she doesn't like chess what's going on with that so it kind of leads you there to find the solution and then it ends with like this big climactic combat right so you have these elements of role play puzzle solving combat and they're all nicely paced i i really appreciated that it, for in its simplicity it made in my mind for a nicely paced adventure yeah excellent yeah, points i guess it had I'll a little just... bit of it all just go leave. That was great review. That was good. And that's but... a review. Of... <laughs> <laughs> Phil, was it a score in the actual module, or did you do that for flavor? Because I'm glad you asked. In the in the module, it was an Edoin. Do you know oh. what an Edoin is? Do I? I don't think so. In don't look it up. No, oh, you can look I it up. In, in the animated series, there's a character who oh, has like three arms, and he's just kind of he's a, you know. Got a James Doohan voice, like, yes, Captain, that sort of stuff. <laughs> anyway, 
I, I haven't seen that much of the animated series to where I felt like, and I, I know none of you have really. And so it was just kind of like, it would have been kind of a random choice and not very um, evocative. Then we'd have to like go through explaining what they're like and there's kind of all just imagining it differently. We also haven't watched any episodes with a score, but all you have to do is look at a picture of it. And it's so high concept that everyone in the group knows exactly how to role play that. And, and Dave just like, Dave hasn't seen any episodes of the score either. And he just goes right for it. Yeah. It's a freaking bird. <laughs> <laughs> and he was doing hilarious things all throughout it. Like, you know, his talons ripping up the carpets and, you know, <laughs> eating bird seed out of, you know, out of your hand from the snacks that you pulled out of your bra. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's just an endless source of hilarity. And all you have to know is that it's a freaking big bird. And so I thought that worked out great. Yeah, I think you made a really good like game master decision making that uh, that NPC character that we discover a score because it really ties in Dave's character. Um, mm -hmm. it, it also, I, I think you, I know it was in the module, but I like how you adapted it. Like there was a reason that that score NPC was the one that was still alive because, and then then you tied that in with Dave, during Dave's combat, the parasites couldn't latch onto his feathers. So I, I think you really made that a really nice moment. You tied that, you kind of brought that back and justified why this character was the last one alive. You get some XP for that, Phil. Thanks. Yeah, in the, in the module, it just says that the Edoin like biology is incompatible with whatever that they were doing. But yeah, I like when it's something you can like figure out or just kind of like, like, oh, that makes sense. Well, it's, it's got feathers, therefore it doesn't latch very well. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. I'm very proud of myself for that one. But yeah, it worked out great because we were like, if you have an Edo in character in your crew, then you can pull out all these other elements in the module. It was just sort of like, well, we don't. <laughs> but yeah, you can just make it anything, anything that makes sense. If you happen you to have this to. obscure alien that yeah, your characters are playing but it's, as. it's good on. to know that you were able to substitute for something in the party, right? And it still worked and it worked very well. And for us, Dave had just created this character and was getting to use it for the first time. So it allowed him to latch onto some cool stuff and have some good utility for the character. He was able to take a bigger role in this adventure and really get to know. And, and now this character, as I mentioned about a thousand times, is one of my favorite in our full campaign because we played oh, yeah. more sessions since this. He's a and keeper. He's a keeper. And I think part of that was because he had such a good hook in this particular adventure. So I think any, I think you could do it with any, you know, interesting alien that you had in your party, I think. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that you did that, so I'm glad I asked. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Although you probably um, would have told me. One more fun tidbit. The author of this is Greg Payline. He's the author of uh, the Tribbles one that we hated. Oh, really? so, Redemption! He's redeemed. He did a great I, job. He just nailed it. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if we did the triples episode dirty. Or like, I almost feel like I wish I could go back without knowing and try it again. Sometimes. That's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's now, um, it's gone down in history. It's part of our lore <laughs> that the triples episode is just not the... It was not our favorite. If you guys listen to our episode number four, again, Troublesome Tribbles, we give a lot of great ideas on how you can make it awesome, even though we didn't. Yes. So um, 
Fair. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. But this was very fun. If not yeah. somewhat obvious, <laughs> she says. It's a good palate weirdly. cleanser, you know. It, it was just kind of like we're back to just a, a regular Star Trek adventure, and it's, it's just everything a Star Trek adventure needs to be. If you guys are looking for a great um, a, a campaign starter or a great one shot, yeah, this, agreed. This this is perfect. It's nice and short. At least for us, it was only two and a half hours. I think that we got through it. Yeah. And so, if you're new to this and um, you might have a lot more to figure out or whatever, um, you have a nice light evening ahead of you. Highly recommend it. Yeah, it was fun. Another interesting thing. So this came in the Star Trek three source book and it's not really, it doesn't have anything to do with Star Trek three that I can think of. It's been a while since I've seen it. And Star Trek three search for Spock. It's got Klingons. It's got the enterprise blowing up spoiler alert. Um, and it's, Spoiler alert again. Oh my gosh. We <laughs> need to put a spoiler warning. It's 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 Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon, not just any Klingon. It's Christopher Lloyd Christopher as Lloyd. a crazy warlord Klingon, and he basically just defines Klingons like ah this. I have a feeling our core audience has probably watched Star Trek three. Oh, just a feeling that I can still express my okay. love yeah, of course, for so. Christopher Lloyd as a I apologize. Klingon. We can have love for Christopher Lloyd in all in all um, pop culture iconic things he's done. Back to the Future. Yeah. I think probably the only element that marks it as a, a Star Trek three adventure is just the time which has elapsed. So this mm. is a classic just Star Trek ship from the, the, the TOS era, but it's been lost for 15 years. Okay, I buy that. It, does, so it then, doesn't say anything in the, in the notes or anything, like nothing in the module references Star Trek 3 or ties it in in any way? No, not really. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and and of course, it's a, they had only published blueprints for the classic um, Constitution class, not for the, the refit Constitution class from the movies. So that's why you're adventuring aboard a ship from the classic era. And how do you do cool. that? Well, it's been lost for 15 years and, and whatever. So that's the only, only tie-in I can um, figure out there's no edolins in star trek 3 for sure so um yeah i think maybe they just kind of had this adventure idea lying around or they just popped it off but yeah they did a good job and of course in our campaign we're set post the, the original series but we're still kind of within the aesthetic of the original series um so that the time being 15 years later we had to kind of fudge it like like i said or like you said, Sarah Nicole, that your character had um, some backstory of being posted to the Republic. We're like, oh, well, you're a Vulcan, so it could have been some time in the past. Yeah, I think we hand-waved it a little bit, but... So if you're planning on doing this module, maybe think about, you know, in your in the lore of your universe, um, reserving the Republic from activity in the campaign up to this point, or else when you get to this adventure, you can make it any other ship. It doesn't have to be the Republic. Yeah, it's the tri USS Triceratops. <laughs> Sure. Which that shuttle, did we leave it on the ship? Did we get back? Yeah, must have got there some back. jokes about that. Like, ah, we're just planning on losing the shuttle. <laughs> we got it back. Cool. Well, should we, should we give it a score? Wait, Philip, has anybody else reviewed this? You're going to say no, which is fine, but. 
we sort of touched on this in the last episode. There were there were come some reviews of it, and um, well, because it was within a general, within a source book, most of the reviews just talk about the source book, and one of them okay. mentions that there is an, an adventure in there, which is a ah, nice bonus. I remember it was from the that other worlds, right? The other yeah. worlds magazine. Oh yeah, there different worlds, different, different worlds. worlds. Yeah, and Space Gamer also mentioned the, the source book, but not this. I've also Googled to see if other people have played this, and this is one that does come up. Oh, yeah? Other people having played it. Cool. Mm -hmm. And then you could do stuff with the, the idea of the Styx Rift if you want. You can sort of expand that as your sandbox. What a and fun idea. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, That's it's all the way on the frontier, and it even says in the module it's not on the Klingon border or the Romulan border, which is a kind of nice, refreshing change of pace because everything else is. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's a lot like the Lucani Drift in my imagination. Just this completely unexplored area, kind of to the north, is how I imagine it. But I love it. All right, yeah. let's score it. Hey, um, Eric. Score. Yeah. Let's score it. <laughs> let's we're gonna score it. That, we're gonna have a score T-shirt in the shop as soon as I can make it happen, dear listeners. If it's not there already by the time this episode goes live, but fingers well, crossed, it'll be there. That tomorrow. being the case, I think we can, can we like reveal what the catchphrase is? Yeah, please. I'm please looking to score. <laughs> I like claw, 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 beak as claw, well. Claw, 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 beak. That's a good one. <laughs> Multi attack. Oh my gosh, Action. dear listeners, if you're listening, please tell us which you prefer because I'll make two shirts. Yeah. I'll make two shirts. All right, um, Eric. Yes. What warp factor score did you give this episode and why? So I'm giving this a warp factor. I can't, I think I'm going to give it a warp factor seven. Um, High. It's not the best episode or the best module, but it's a really good module. Again, for the reasons that I kind of already, I should have saved my, my, my little bit for this, right? Um, it was, it had uh, role play, it had puzzle solving, it had climactic combat. Um, I feel like it's one of those modules, as Philip has already touched on, that um, you can use it as an intro, you can plop it in, in the middle of a campaign. Plop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you can use it as a one shot, like, hey, we've been playing, you know, D&D &D forever. Let's try something different. This is a great, like, just standalone monster of the week, totally adaptable. You know, it, it can be that mystery character can be the, that whatever that random alien is, it can be a scorn. You could even make it a Vulcan. It can be whatever you want. You could be the Republic. It could be the USS, you know, Triceratops. As we said, it's just so modular um it it can be done in one night it's just a great little module for a fun night of gaming so seven it's not epic it's not grand it's not groundbreaking but it's a lot of fun right on seven sarah nicole i love a mystery as you well know so i appreciate that aspect we did figure it out pretty quick so it's lost a little bit of points for me on just that but I had a lot of fun. I think that your players would have a lot of fun. It didn't stress me out at any point. We just got in there. We got to have a Star Trek adventure and a jolly fun night of shenanigans. 
and I gave it a seven as well. I thought about a 7.5 very strongly. I think I'm taking that 0.5 off because I solved that mystery too soon. And that's my opinion. I, one other thing. I'm sorry, Philip, you're about to speak and I cut Go. you off. Apologies, my dear friend. Go, please. I do, again, agree with both of you. Highly recommend this as a starter. Highly recommend this as a one-off fun night. It, I agree with the statement that it's a palate cleanser. This is something wonderful to fold into any other campaign or if everybody's drinking and having a good time, right? <laughs> or not, drinking kombucha and having a great time. It's a wonderful night. Absolutely. There's, a, there's something to be said for a, a module that's in a category like, it, like not all modules have to be amazing not all modules have to be like big and long and epic. Yeah. This is a short one, but as a short module, it, it really does nail it. I'm going to go with, oh man, I'm going to go with 6.5, which you guys always know for me, I, I grade things a little bit lower. To me, that's a really good score. And it, it gives it a, a pretty high average ranking among all the modules that we reviewed. Yeah, it's versatile, covers a lot of bases. It's very friendly. You can get into more nitty gritty if you want with, with exploring the ship, if, if that's kind of your thing. Uh, we kind of have done this before, so we we're kind of like, yeah, we, do, we, we go over to sick bay. Done. Um, I mean, it's short. It's, it's probably um, 10 pages in the module, maybe 12 pages if you count all the, the, the character stats and stuff, which you don't really need. But I kind of like that. So many of these modules are 40, 50, 60 pages, and they also just provide a single night's entertainment. So I liked this. I had so much fun playing it. The recap was hilarious. Uh, of course, you guys brought so much to the table with that. But yeah, nailed the feel of Star Trek. Um, I just, unlike so many other modules, it just, it just felt like exactly like what an episode would feel like. So 6.5 for me, that gives it an average score of 6.8, making it probably in our top six or seven episodes we've ever done. <laughs> I, would, I would asterisk this in any charts we have of as a great one night, great starter, great. Out yeah. of all of the ones that we've played, I think that this is the one I'd recommend for that the most highly, if that has any. Inform if that's information, dear listeners, you care about. It's great for a one shot. I feel like Ghost of Conscience um, was a great one to get us kind of into the full Star Trek experience after we sort of been testing it, testing out like planet crawls with the Michael Scott modules. But I think it would be a little too much to throw you in for a one shot. This one would be great to, you know, if this were your only experience, there's it would, it would give you enough time to think through all the things about how the transporter works and how the shields work and all that sort of stuff that we grappled with. Interacting with a little bit of computers. Interacting with computers. Like you said, it, Eric, you covered it all. Interacting with NPCs mm -hmm. um, in, in combat and um, ship systems, all that, all that. Blueprints a little bit. Well, in the combat, wasn't just straight up shoot shoot punch punch right you had to get creative because of the um immunities and vulnerabilities that the aliens had mm -hmm. so. i um, thought it was so interesting that the the phaser settings they like you tried all four 
before you reached one which worked. And it was just the disrupt setting, which is kind of a normal one. But that was a neat little thing to like, well, let's test, you know, if you, if you guess if you're learning about your phasers or whatever. Yeah. And to Dave's credit, he was like, well, I tried the other setting, kept trying the settings. And that's very Star Trek-y, you just keep trying things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think one other point I'd like to bring up is you mentioned that it was 10 pages versus 40 or 50. So for you, was your prep much simpler as the DM? Oh yeah, hands down. Easy to read, uh, it gets right to the point. It's just uh, relentlessly play oriented. See, I just feel like a lot of the standalone modules are, are thinking along the same kind of scope. Right, but they're, they're, they're filling out an entire module. And so they, they kind of pad it out. There's more to read. I guess there's more possibilities of things you can do in those. But yeah, this was a, this was a breeze and a blast. I think, that's, I, like I think that's something we shouldn't discount. Great. I think a lot of our dear listeners are DMs or GMs, right? And so knowing that they would be able to get into this with a lot less prep time is something I think we should definitely call out. All right, fine. I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah. Just like you guys. Train. <laughs> seven. Straight up seven. I feel like this was definitely a seven. I really do. If yeah, not, like I said, I would feel like I, I, I need to give it a lower score than something that's big and long and, and uh, gives you a lot to play with. But just within its niche, it just, it does a, such a great job. So yeah, so. short and sweet. I'm all about it. I'm, that excites me. You Yay. Don't, you don't have to have a ring world epic adventure to be a really good module. It can yeah. be really nice, short, sweet, get the job done. I love it. Yeah. I, lo I love it too. Love it. Oh, it play isn't it. a moose boosh. Yeah, play it. I definitely play the shit out of it. Play this one for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's our review of Lost and Presumed Dead. We hope you like what you heard. And if you did, please subscribe. Leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram. Join our Patreon. It really helps us out. We would like to hear from you so much. So please, please visit our website www.rpgpopclub.com or email us at rpgpopclub at gmail.com. It always just, it just fills out with, fills up, fills us with so much joy to know that people are actually listening to this crap. So Guys, let us get, know what you thought. We get so excited when we get a listener, like I can't express to you. We all start texting each other. Did you see it? Did you see the email? So bring that joy to our lives, dear listeners, please. Yeah. Spread the love. Hey, Eric, thank you for being here. It was my joy and pleasure. Awesome. You're Did a joy great, and Eric. pleasure in my life. Um, well, Eric, I'm married. <laughs> Eric, do you want to plug your resin dice business on Instagram? Or do you want to bring that to our dear listeners' attention at a later date? I, I feel I would like to have something on offer first. Okay. But, uh, you know, just, just keep it Look, in. Keep, Look for that information on our next uh, time we have Eric be a guest and he gets the opportunity to plug things. Yeah, I, I'll say this. Look for more from Raynard and Rose. More to come. <laughs> more if you to go come. there now, there probably won't be much. But well, there's later, some cool. there might be something things. on the horizon. Yeah. Hey, Look forward so to our Jurassic Park games and everything else that we're going to be doing. 
<laughs> I kind of want to. I, I, okay, I'll talk less about Jurassic Park. Hey, Phil, speaking of modules, what are we doing next week? I'm glad you asked here, Nicole. It's just so exciting. This, if you are a nerd like me, and you get to walk around town with a Star Trek RPG magazine, <laughs> you're just like a real boss. This is Stardate magazine, which came out around this time. And um, this is this number one. Being, uh... 84? This is all still 84, yeah. The, the first episode is a special Star Trek three issue, and the, the logo of the magazine uses the same font as the Star Trek three ah. logo. So you're holding this magazine, and I'm the only thought going through my head is, man, that dude's a boss. <laughs> mm -hmm. You guys, if there's anything nerdier than someone like walking around town with a, with an RPG magazine or a Star Trek magazine, it's a Star Trek RPG magazine. If there's anything nerdier than that, <laughs> it's a podcast about a Star Trek RPG magazine. <laughs> this is amazing. It's got reviews and articles and just like ads and stuff from the time. I highly recommend it. It's called Stardate. This was the FASA um, in-house magazine initially, and uh, just to support their game. And, and it, so it includes a module. And the modules also tie in with Star Trek Three, and it's called uh, Frick. What is it called? It's called the Serpent Factor. Ooh. It involves Klingon PCs. Does this magazine you said it had ads. Does it have ads for like sea monkeys and submarines you can build in your backyard? And Eric's gonna <laughs> contact these companies. And see well, if they still exist. I, I had the boy, the Boys Life Boy Scout magazine, and they had all of that fun, that oh, all that fun stuff. I think because it's the first issue, they didn't have a lot of ads. It was like no. ads for Star Trek clubs, like join our club, or ads for other uh, FASA products or West End games. Sense. Yeah, not a lot. Um, it's Q and A's, a lot of stuff by you know Greg Payline and and um, Dave T. Pool and and those guys, uh, Greg Guy, Guy Macklemore, mm -hmm. and there's an article by Michael Scott. Oh, talk about that more next week. Friend but, of the show, um, friend of the great friend of the show. Um, I didn't know he continued to do work in the Star Trek RPG industry. So fantastic. Awesome. Look forward to that. And before you ask, no, there's no reviews of this. <laughs> no, there's no reviews of a, of this magazine, which is, it doesn't include reviews, but yeah. So you'll hear it here first. You'll hear it here first. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, dear listeners. Yep, thanks. Bye. Bye. Do 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 do